0: to receive the grace of God, you have to decide that you want to turn away from sin. You, You basically have to decide, I want my life to be a life that stops killing me. I want to stop doing those things that God says will destroy me. Basically, it's a real simple question ultimately. God says if you do things his way, you'll have the greatest life imaginable. You know, your, uh, Joel Osteen's book, Your Best Life Now. Osteen doesn't really get into the point, but, but the Bible does. If you want your best life now, stop sinning. Because the reason why you don't have your best life now is because of your sin. So, now, I can say stop sinning, and if you could do that, Oh man, your life would be great. But becoming a Christian means I agree with God that what he says, once I fully understand it and once I've, you know, accurately applied it to my life and and I'm really committed to, you know, hearing from him and knowing what his word says and what it means for me, that that's what's best for me. And it's basically saying God has a right to tell me What's right and wrong? And when he tells me, I want to do what he is telling me because I believe that's going to be best for me. I believe that he loves me and that he wouldn't tell me to do things that will make me miserable. He will only tell me to do those things that are really good for me. That's what becoming a Christian is, is making that decision. It's also what John describes as confessing our sins, The word confess means to agree with or to say the same thing literally. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So it's coming to the point where you decide that you'll agree with God. Okay God, what you say is good for me, I agree it's good for me. What you say is bad for me, I agree it's bad for me. Now if we have done that, that's what that's what results in our justification by grace. If we've made that call, if we've made that decision, if we've expressed that faith, then things begin to change in our lives. And if that has happened, then you certainly wouldn't be, again, feeling like, okay, how much sin can I actually get away with? You know, what can I, how much sin can I do and, and still go to heaven, I would worry about anyone who has that kind of a position, who's looking for a license to sin, who's taking God's grace and saying, well, God's gracious, so therefore I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I know it's sin, but big deal. Because that kind of an attitude towards sin just shows that you're somebody who really doesn't get it. You don't, you know... If you really love someone and they love you, they're going to try to help you not destroy yourself. But if they're talking to you, a good friend is talking to you, and and you go, would you still love me if I just smashed my head into the wall a few times and split it open? And they they go, yeah, I'd still love you if you did that. And so you go, okay, that's what I'm going to do. There's something wrong with you. If your friend is going, that's going to hurt. I love you and and I'll try to stop you from doing it, but I guess after I leave you can do it if you want, but come on, trust me, banging your head on the wall isn't good for you. You don't want to do that. That's essentially what God is doing. Now, we sometimes take what he is saying and then we make it like another set of rules that we want to fight against, that we want to you know, we almost think that God wants to take away good things from us, but he doesn't. The things that he calls sin aren't good for us ever. Now, they may feel good, sometimes short term, but God has that perspective where he goes, no, it's really not good for you. Trust me, you will be happier, you'll have a better life, everything will be better for you. If you trust me on this, this isn't good. Now, that's what a Christian is. God then forgives our sins. So we don't have that burden of trying to earn anything with him. And, and then not only that, graciously, he also gives us the grace to make better decisions in our lives, to live our lives more victoriously, and to have victory over those things that would destroy us. That's what he's trying to do. To, under, to misunderstand that is to misunderstand the nature of a relationship with god through through jesus christ so he is saying come on we're dead to sin that's kind of what a christian is now that doesn't mean sin isn't there it doesn't mean we're not tempted to do it to still listen to those lies that we that we once lived by but he's saying uh, let's make it straight if you are walking with god then He's trying to protect you from yourself. He's trying to keep you from destroying yourself. So he would never go, oh, I'm glad you're doing that. Will he judge you for your sin? No, because Jesus has already been judged for your sin. And if you bang your head against the wall, it only hurts him. It really is damaging him ultimately. He's paid that price. But to understand that, wait, I thought becoming a Christian was turning my back on self-destruction and on destroying others and deciding to live in a whole different way. And if you say that, then you'd be correct. Now, how we get there, we'll get to that, and we'll see that unfold over the next few chapters. Or verse 3 Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. He uses the illustration of Christian baptism, which is a symbol of us identifying with Jesus Christ. And when you are baptized, we say that when you're dipped down in the water, it's a picture of being crucified with Christ and buried. You're burying who you used to be. You're burying the old man. And when you come up, it speaks of identifying with his resurrection. It speaks of that newness of life that he provides. So Paul uses the image of baptism and goes... You guys have been baptized, and you know what it, what it meant. They explained it to you. Oh, the death of the old man, a new life that God has given you as you come up. So aren't you identified with him? Don't you understand that, that the Christian life is about being connected to him? Connected to his death and resurrection? Four, verse five, If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, or literally rendered inoperative, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin." So he says, get this, our old man. Now, that phrase is used several times by Paul, and it's not a reference to our sin nature. It's not a reference to sin in us or our flesh. See, we still have our sin nature. We still have our flesh. But when he says our old man, and that's what died when symbolically in baptism when we came to Christ, Our old man is who we used to be before we came to Christ. And that old man is dead. That old person that you were, or if you came to Christ when you were really young, the old man is the person that the world was planning for you to become. The trajectory that you were on, who you would have been. And baptism says, no, I'm not that person anymore. Now you still share a lot of the same characteristics. You still have many of the same struggles. You still even have consequences of stupid choices that your old man made that have brought problems to you today, baggage that you carry from those days. But when you're baptized, at its most basic element, baptism is saying, I want that old person to be dead, and I want a new life. And so that's why Jesus called it being born again. You need to be born again. You need to start over. And by God's grace, when we come to him, and this is what baptism symbolizes, the old person that I used to be isn't anymore. I'm saying that person is dead. I, I came in order to have a fresh start. And he gives that to us. He guarantees that to us. So now Paul is appealing to that and saying, remember when you became a Christian, you went down and got baptized, you were saying that the old you is history, is past. Now there was a new life that God gave you. So get in touch with that new life. Be absorbed with that new life. Relate to that new life. You are not who you used to be. Who you used to be That was all paid for. We should no longer be slaves of sin. As he says there in verse 6, the body of sin might be done away with or that might be rendered inoperative. It's still there, but now it is not to have power over us like it once did. Before you were a Christian, sin was what drove your life. Selfish self-interest and everything, for the most part, that was what was on the throne. Your flesh and your, your sinful nature and your selfishness and pride, all of those things, that was your motivation. But coming to Christ, you were saying, I want that put aside and I want Jesus Christ to be on the throne of my life. Anything less than that isn't really becoming a Christian at all. He who has died has been freed from sin. (laughs) That's for sure. You can't really sin once you're dead. It's impossible. They don't, you know, in the morgue, all the bodies are there. You really don't have any more rules. And you don't need a security guard to make sure nobody's acting up. You're pretty much, when you're dead, that's it. And he's saying that's the way, symbolically, you're to be to your past. Now if we died with Christ we believe that he also that we also shall rise shall live with him knowing that Christ having been raised from the dead dies no more death no longer has dominion over him for the death that he died he died to sin once for all but the life that he lives he lives to God so again he's saying Being a Christian means you're connected to him. He died, and when he died, it was for our sin, and he was carrying all of our sin on himself when he did, but he said, it is finished, and that was over. Now he doesn't have to deal with that anymore, but he came back from the dead. This is why the resurrection, as we will celebrate in a couple weeks at Easter, is so important. It means everything to us. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there is no hope for us to make a turnaround either because our hope for change in our lives comes because of the power of the resurrection. And so he's saying the closer that you are to him, the more you connect yourself and identify yourself with him, the more you will experience that same resurrection power in your life, the more you will see beneficial results in your life, again, only by his grace. Be identified with him, you take on his righteousness, you take on his victory. So he says, you have a choice. You can be dead to sin and alive to God, or you can be a slave to sin and be still dead in your sins. Verse 11, likewise, you also reckon yourselves or account yourselves or by faith believe yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So consider it as though you are dead to sin. Now again that doesn't mean that sin isn't there. It doesn't mean that you don't sin. We all do every day but It's a decision, a reckoning, an accounting process, whereby you say, as far as I'm concerned, I'm dead to sin. My sins have been forgiven, past, present, and future. I don't want to live that way anymore, and as far as I'm concerned, it's past. By faith, receiving that helps us to then have that victory over sin, because if you reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord, your identity will be wrapped around your relationship with a living Lord rather than constantly obsessing about faith, about the faith in what hasn't happened or what you want to happen. In other words, sin is something that's behind you. It's dealt with. Now, again, that means that you cannot live with a constant obsession on your sin. You don't, you don't defeat sin by thinking more about it. You don't defeat sin by beating yourself up over it, by being with other people and having each other remind each other of our sin. Yeah, we're all sinners. It happens. It's going to happen as long as we're on earth. But As far as God is concerned, if you really have agreed with him and by faith accepted Jesus Christ, when you sin, he forgives it, and he forgets it immediately. So if you're going to be constantly whining about what you did last week, he's going to be going, what? I don't remember that. It was paid for already. See, focusing on your sin will only help you to feel more defeated, and that's why it's Satan who's the accuser of the brethren. It's Satan who always wants to remind you of your failure. What, what God wants you to do is to focus on what he has done. Reckon yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. Decide that for you're, you're going to stop focusing on your sin and finding your self-identity and your failures And instead, plug into the life of Christ. Walk with him on a daily basis. Fill your life with him. Be connected to him. Be rejoicing in the victories that he provides. Enjoying being in his word. See, when you focus on your sin, it'll drive you away from his word. It'll drive you away from prayer. It'll drive you away from fellowship. You know how it works. You slip up and you sin in an area that you swore you'd never do it again. All of a sudden, you don't want to go to church. You don't want to see other Christians. You don't want to pray. It'll just put a wedge between you and everything that means life to you. And so he's saying, put that in your past. Reckon yourself dead to sin. When it happens, it happens. Put it behind you and plug into the life that God has given you. Receive his forgiveness by grace on a moment-by-moment basis, and live the life of Christ rather than constantly finding yourself weeping at the foot of the cross. It's one of the things that I think is kind of sad in some of the traditional churches, such as the Roman Catholic Church, where Although, and I'm not a Catholic basher or anything, and I know some people in the Catholic Church who just have a deep love for God. But so often with the Catholics, there's such an emphasis on death and on sin and on making sure you remember all your sins and confess them. And and Jesus is still on the cross when you see a crucifix. and And that's one of the reasons why um, Mel Gibson when he did The Passion of the Christ, why there was such an obsession with blood and gore and pain. And as much as it's important for us to see that and understand it because that's how much he loves us, yet at the same time, I'm not living at the cross. I Tonight, as we partake in communion, we'll go back there. We'll be reminded of what he has done for us. But my life is in the risen Lord, it's not in the past. It's not in my sin that have been washed away. It's not in an obsession with the judgment of sin. To do that will only make you feel defeated. And you feel like, I've got to make up for it, but how do I make up for that? So Paul says, live your life. Don't don't live death. Reckon yourself dead to sin. Put that behind you. And Discover the life of, of the risen Lord. Be alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lusts. And to not, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness God don't live obsessed with sin and don't make yourself available to sin don't put yourself in a place where sin will be easy to do you're dead to that but make your members available to God decide that what you're doing is committing yourself to him Satan will cause you to focus on your sin and therefore think there isn't anything that you could ever do productive in your life because you're such a bad example. It's not about you. It's about him. And so as we reckon ourselves dead to sin, then we decide, you know what, I'm going to stop letting my time and my life and my body be in a place where it's available. And instead, what I'm going to do is report for duty to God and say, God, I just want to live with you. I want to serve you. If there's any way that you can use me, God, in the smallest, most insignificant way, I am reporting for duty. And serving God isn't To be a servant of him is the alternative to serving sin. You'll either serve God or you'll serve sin. You're going to serve somebody, as Bob Dylan said. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And that's true. And that's what Paul is saying. So he goes, instead of trying to not have your members do bad things, put yourself to to work Serving God and doing things for Him. The best deterrent for that, you know, for not falling into your own old lifestyle is to create a new lifestyle, is to begin to live your life in fellowship with Him. And as you are presenting yourself to Him, God, what do you want me to do? What opportunities? Lord, my mouth is yours today. And if I can speak up to anyone, about you, then my mouth is yours and you can do it. Lord, if there's anything I can do with my hands today that will communicate your grace and forgiveness and your love, I want to do it. I'm signing up. I'm, I'm making myself available. Serving God is so incredibly addictive in a really good way. And being used by God is just a a powerful change agent because when he is using you, you start to go, this is what life's supposed to feel like. This is what it's all about. Being a Christian is not about stopping your sin. And as soon as you start defining your life in terms of, I've got to stop sinning, you're already defeated. The Christian life is all about finding something better than that. And taking who you are and your members and putting them to the use that they were intended to have. And so taking your mortal body, presenting them as instruments of righteousness. Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law, but under grace. That's a promise from God, that if you will walk with Him, if you will receive His grace, if you will allow yourself to be deprogrammed from religion and and legalism and all of that, and if you will just live life simply by grace, as He tells us, then sin shall not have dominion over you. It will not win. It'll be there. It'll keep kicking, it'll keep raising issues. He he wouldn't have to go through all this if that wasn't the case. But the victory will be ours when we understand what it is to be connected to him and to present our members to present our bodies as as tools for righteousness to God. You start to do that and appreciating his grace has an amazing effect on what happens to your life. And so you can think that grace won't work and you can even put yourself under law, but we know law does not work. It's well-intentioned, but all law does is show you what a failure you are. Put yourself in the grace of God Keep yourself in His grace. Understand it's not about you. Stop wrestling and struggling with sin and instead put yourself into the sphere of righteousness. Make yourself available for righteousness and grace and you will see sin shall not. It will not. That's a promise from God. It won't beat you. It won't have dominion over you. You're not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? He says, you choose who you serve. Yeah, you're a servant one way or the other but you have the option. It's kind of like uh, slavery is maybe a bad uh, illustration of it here or inferior to just employment. If you have a job, you choose where to work. If you don't like that job, you're free to leave. You can work somewhere else. And he, But he's using that and he's saying, you have a choice of what you're going to serve, and you understand sin leads to death. <laughs> But God be thanked. He goes, I know that you guys have made this decision. God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. He said, yeah, you were slaves to sin, and it was destroying you, but you woke up. And when you heard the good news about grace, you decided that you would bet your life on grace, decided that you would accept that as being a reality you obeyed from your heart and having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness, set free from sin again that doesn't mean that you don't sin it means that you don't have to it means that sin doesn't have to dominate you anymore. you have a substitute you have a you have a relationship with the living lord who will allow you to do what's right before you didn't even have the power to do what's right now you do satan will lie to you and tell you that you're still a slave to sin it's not true you're not a slave to sin you don't have to do that you're a slave of righteousness I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. He says, this is probably a bad illustration. And he was probably being sensitive because a lot of the people he was writing to literally were slaves, and they were probably sensitive about it. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Show up for holiness. Be willing to be holy. Be willing to be made like Christ. Stop fighting the battle of whether or not you want to be holy. Stop fighting the battle of whether or not you want to sin or you want to do good. A Christian is somebody who decides, I don't want to destroy myself anymore. So he says, make up your mind and show up for holiness. Report for duty. Four, when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. You didn't have to do good when you were a slave of sin. What fruit did you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So he said, before you were a Christian, you could do right, but basically you didn't have, there was no reason for you to. <laughs> made sense for you to sin when you were a slave of sin. And look what it did. It's done nothing but wreak havoc in your life. It's done nothing that make, you, that make you much closer to death than you would have been. And so that was the rule in your life before you came to Christ, was self-destruction. But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end, everlasting life. He goes, man, the great news is now you don't have to be a slave to sin. You can begin to channel your life and to, and to make your members available to do good. Not because you have to. Not because you're earning anything you can't. It's just, it's just because you want to. It's because you enjoy doing things with the Lord and with His people and, and you, you've recognized a light clicked on in your head and you go, sin is what was messing me up. And now I realize it. it feels so good to, to do what's right, to not give in to my sinly urges, to not be dominated by that which used to dominate me. Man, is it a good feeling to have a good day when you just do good things because you want to. Because you're choosing to. And then to have God use you. It's amazing. Why didn't I do this before? Why have I been banging my head against a wall so much in my life? He says, you can be free. When, when the sun sets you free, Jesus said, you'll be free indeed. And that freedom means you'll quit messing your life up so much. It's not going to be perfect. None of us will be perfect until we get to heaven. But the question is, what's the rule of your life? Are you looking for opportunities to sin? Or are you looking for opportunities to serve God? Are you finding the fulfillment that comes when it's like, wow, I was used by God and I and I didn't do something that was always I always hated it even when I did it. Boy, that's a good feeling. In life, whenever you do what's right, it always, there's something inside of us that makes us feel, even people who aren't Christians, once in a while, they'll do something to help someone, and they'll go, that felt good. I wonder why. (laughs) They can't figure it out. They even see you doing things that are good and, they kind of honor that and appreciate that because there's something within each one of us that knows what we were designed to do. But for the non-Christian, they simply do not have the capacity to really turn their life around and to really live victoriously. They can't help but destroy themselves because sin is their boss. Sin is is driving the whole thing. But when we come to Jesus, that power of sin is removed. We're not slaves to sin anymore. And we need to understand what that means in our lives and show up and and be victorious and have that great fulfillment that comes from just wow, I'm I'm back on track. Things are going well and I'm not going to be prideful about it because It's only God's grace that even did it. I didn't do it. I didn't work at it. I didn't beat myself into submission. I just responded to his grace. I just appreciated his forgiveness. To not understand grace means that you will never be making yourself available for righteousness. And you know what I'm talking about because every one of us have had those times when We really wanted to serve God, but we knew that there was something in our life that was holding us back. We knew we just weren't ready. We weren't good enough. But you know what? All that was an illusion because it's not about how good you are. It's about the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the truth is, every one of us who are depending on his grace, who are receiving that work of the Spirit in our lives, God wants to use us. He wants to change us. He wants to work within us. It's by his grace. And when that happens, all of a sudden, sin loses its power. It just begins slipping away. You'll find yourself more and more just naturally not wanting to do the things that at one time you wanted to do so badly. Boy, I remember that feeling as I came to the Lord and For me, when I came to Jesus, I told him I'm not going to change anything, but I did give him permission if he wanted to work in my life, and things started to change, and it was weird that things that I once was so passionate about, the desire just began to melt away. Now, for me, the desire to drink or do drugs and some of those kinds of things, it went away really quick. Still took me a long time to lose the desire to do some other things, like hit people. But <laughs> for each of us, it's, it's different. The areas that God works, the order in which he works, it's different, but you can be assured the key to living the Christian life is God's grace. Just as that was what got you saved, that's what will free you up to present yourself as members of righteousness, that when God says, okay, all the righteous people, raise your hand, you can put your hand up. He goes, okay, everybody who's clean, come with me, I have stuff for you to do. You go, cool, let's go. Because you realize it's true. It's not imaginary. It's not something that you just kind of Hope it's the case, and someday it'll be the case. It's it's true right now if you've received Jesus Christ. You're clean, taken care of, and he has stuff for you to do. And the more you do what he tells you to do, and you find out that doing what's right is so much more rewarding than any wrong that you've ever done, then sin just begins to fall away. It doesn't have power over you anymore. But as the last verse of chapter 6 says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Wages? You don't get any wages for doing what's right, because you can never do things right enough. But if you want wages, the wages of sin is death. But God has given us something better than wages, He's given us the gift. Of God, and that's eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. As we are connected to Him, as we are identified with Him, as we are walking with Him, the gift of God is eternal life. Sin leads to death, and for our sins, sometimes we may have to pay natural consequences of those sins because sin ultimately does kill you, and there's no doubt that for most of us, we will die sooner than we need to die simply because of the stupid things that we do that God tells us not to do. However, eternally, we don't have to experience that spiritual death because we are in Jesus Christ, and His gift is eternal life. We will live forever forever. Now, if you continue to live the way you do and rebellion against him, you don't take care of yourself. You don't put yourself in a place whereby you're acting in wisdom. If you keep driving crazy and zigzagging in and out of traffic all the time and you continue to treat people in a horrible way and everything, oh, there are going to be consequences. You're not going to have any friends and you may die sooner as a result. Of your driving or of even not having friends. That'll kill you. But there's so much better way to live. Eternal life. Presenting ourselves to him and going, I want to serve you. Instead of serving sin, I want to serve you. And that's a gift. A pure gift from God. You don't earn it. You know, you don't make yourself good enough. You just respond. And it's just as beautiful and natural of a thing as you could possibly have. It doesn't involve striving. It doesn't involve trying really hard. It doesn't involve, you've got to learn to stop. It's none of that stuff. It's substituting for that which is destroying you and bringing in that which is going to bring life and hope and joy and fulfillment. It's trading in your miserable life for a great life, for your best life ever. And what happens? Yeah, you look at the outside, you go, look at that person. They're not sinning as much and they're doing all these good things. But when you're inside that life, you don't even see it that way. You go, of course. I'm enjoying God. I'm serving Him. I'm, I'm seeing him working in my life. My life is better than it's ever been. Oh, yeah, it is. It's cool. I remember I used to serve sin, and I'm realizing how stupid that is. But God's given me victory, and it was all him. It was all his grace, pure and simple. Sin, I'm dead to that. I've turned my back on that. I don't want to live that way. Now, if you're just a person who's totally fine with sinning and you're just like, well, you know, got God's grace, I'm going to heaven, but I really don't, don't care to work in the, about, on the sin in my life. It's, it is what it is. If you start justifying your sin or accepting sin in your life, you've got to wonder if you really get it at all. I have to wonder, do you, no, that, that's not what happens when you understand being a Christian means that you've figured out to stop killing yourself. If you're still killing yourself and it's deliberate and thinking, well, I'll go to heaven, well, I don't know. Because a real relationship with God, identifying with him, it makes real changes in your life. And you didn't, I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that to bring you back to the gospel and to understand If sin is reigning in your life, you missed something somewhere along the line. Now, if sin is there in your life, you're human. If you think that you quit sinning a few years ago, (laughs) yeah, right, you're deluded. But sin's not in charge if you've accepted Jesus Christ. If you've been living a life of just pure debauchery and sin, and it doesn't even bother you anymore. You know, there are people who do that. They go, you know, when I became a Christian, sin really bothered me, but now I'm at the point where it doesn't bother me anymore. You probably didn't accept Jesus Christ. You probably accepted legalism. And legalism always wears off. But a relationship, it stays with you. Growth happens. Victory happens if you just let it, if you just show up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the victory that you purchased for us. Thank you for the life that you want us to have. Not a life where we are miserably serving you as in legalism, but a life where we are joyously and freely living up to our potential Experiencing victories of grace and mercy and hope and love. Life's just clicking for us. And as far as those things that used to destroy us, we're dead to that. Put it behind us. And help us to learn to live resurrection lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a lot of times people will say, "I."